0: Welcome to America this week. I'm Matt Taibbi. How's it going, Walter?
1: So Matt, I, I I have a mega tan, a hyper tan, which I ask all of those who watch, yeah, watch this to admire here. Um, it's completely natural. I have to defend myself out of the box um, in comes of taking my you know usual three hour walks in Las Vegas and then in Los Angeles where I was last week, but. Uh, a Guy this brown can't be feeling down, so um, i'm glad I'm glad I'm to doing hear well. How about you yeah where are you uh back in las vegas mm-hmm. land of the land of the low odds proposition um, I'm familiar with that but uh yeah, yeah I had a friend here. It's nice when I have visitors who've never been to Las Vegas. they're usually just enchanted and delighted they're like where was this place? I'd heard about it, but um, it's sort of what I used to imagine New York would be when I was a little boy before I'd been to New York. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons I like it. You know, I I like it 24 hours. And uh, it's starting to sort of pick up for the summer. They're having the auditions for the people who serve drinks at the pools, the beautiful body people. Um, Cool. You know, Las Vegas comes into its own from about now until July or so. Excellent. When it just becomes so ungodly. Well, that sounds
0: great. Um, I'm going to. I'm going off on vacation right after the show. So, um, looking forward
1: to a warm place or just a far away place. I'm
0: actually. I'm going. I'm eventually going to Hawaii. Uh, This is complicated. Um, I have a complicated family story. My. My father was born in Hawaii, he was adopted, um, and so we have, we have relatives in Hawaii, uh, my Filipino relatives, whom I've, I've never met, so um, we're, we're going to meet them uh, this, this next week, taking the kids to, to Hawaii, a uh, little we'll stop in Disney World, uh, or Disneyland on the way, and uh, then we'll go. So, looking forward to it. Uh, is there such a thing as a little stop? I, 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 Can I guess there not. be a little no, stop.
1: A, at Disney? With
0: with three kids, <laughs> it's a, it's, no a, it's stop a as huge little. proposition. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> You'll have to get in exactly. line a day and a half before. Um, well, you right. need to come to Las Vegas because it is the capital, the capital of Filipino uh, immigration in the United States. It really is. Um, is that true? Food, I didn't know. Great that. people all through the city. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Wow. Las Vegas, wow. in terms of its its population, its composition is a lot like Queens. Um, it, it's it's a true panoply of immigrant groups, um, drawn by the fact that you can come here um, and make money uh sort of from the ground up doing all kinds of things that don't necessarily require an american higher education it's it's a working class town for immigrants and because of that it's a beautiful place for food um conversation and sort of cultural uh discovery right uh, that that's why I, that's
0: really why i like it interesting i should check it out for sure i mean i've been to to vegas but a you know, um, I, I have thought that it would be a cool place to live, but, uh, never, never took the step. Yeah.
1: You know?
0: <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but,
1: uh, if you like the golf, you know, I, I'm, I'm only here part of the year. Um, right. And Because my right. wife, well, we is should, writing we should, a book we should about hook up city.
0: before we go to Davos, maybe.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Why don't they hold Davos in Las Vegas?
0: Who are these joyless technocrats? Why, why don't they go somewhere fun? Maybe their core um, body temperature is, is like 50 degrees lower than that of regular people. Uh, it's like a V the final battle. Well, actually,
1: you know, silicon, silicon chips and computer processing require cold temperatures or they thrive in cold temperatures. Right. And because most people in Davos... It's, it's not known to the general public, are run by remote AI connections to silicon brains. They, they like to be in ski areas. Um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that, that's my Absolutely. theory. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So yesterday, Matt, let's address the elephant in the living room. You yep. had a contentious uh, prosecutorial on their part a interview on msnbc Mm. um with a very high speed interrogator uh, i noticed uh uh, he was putting as many words into one minute as i managed to get in in half an hour on this show um yeah it wasn't a good look with my own jeff spicoli
0: delivery which is yeah
1: yeah 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 you 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 had a you had a real uh high processing uh high verbiage count uh interviewer as it were uh it didn't seem so much as an of an interview to me as a cross examination
0: right, but i still have an obligation to hold up under cross examination and what happened what happened was that he he got he got me to lose my temper in the first seconds of the show. And uh, because he he read off the great vampire squid line at the beginning. So I knew right away that was leading to the what happened to you, man. Critique. Then there was sort of a passage that implied that the story about the IRS visiting my house might not have been true. There was this passage about. Can I fact check that? Can I fact fact check that story?
1: I was sitting. I was sitting here uh you know we we talked for a few minutes maybe 5 before the show as you uh as you uh examined that note i saw it with my own eyes
0: you held it up to the screen and we're still processing what to do about it yeah i mean the washington examiner published all all those documents are are um well the the committee has all the documents the washington examiner published the the note on my door um, but more than that, I mean, does anybody really think that I would go to the committee, uh, that the, you know, a, a congressional committee and tell them that the IRS visited my house with, and that not be true, uh, considering all the things that, um, might flow from such an, you know, a false accusation. Look, you still have to check. I get it. But considering that there was information out there uh, to check that, so that, so that, kind of had me triggered and and but more mostly um you know I, I it it was this um very hostile interview which I expected and uh it, it was going kind of as I expected until he presented me with um some mistakes that i had made and they were they were errors like so let's go through them the the first one was a situation where, um, I had, I was looking at a Slack chat and it said EIP, uh, or like from EIP escalated by CIS. And when I was reading that, um, in the time since I, I published, um, that tweet and now, um, I, you know, I, I kind of Learn more about the Center for Internet Security. And I hadn't yet put two and two together, but in that moment, I realized, Oh God. Um, cause I, cause I thought it was a, it was a misprint by the Twitter person and that it was actually CISA. It was actually CIS. And so I, I put uh, a missing A there. Now CIS is still a government contractor. It's. It's a mistake. There's no question about it. But it, it was an honest mistake. I, you know, wouldn't have done it if I, you know, had known uh, or had had been cognizant of it. So I, you know, I, I immediately put a correction up about that. Um, the next one was just a thing where I, I mixed up two elections in my head as I was um, writing a tweet about the timeline of when. The Election Integrity Project was formed versus when the Disinformation Governance Board was formed, and got it wrong that the D uh, DGB was before the EIP. So I mixed up a date. So one was in one was in two thousand
1: when, and one was in one was in, in two
0: thousand twenty, and one was in two thousand twenty-two. And what happened was I. In my in my head, I thought it was the DGB was before the twenty twenty election, um, or I, you know, I remembered it that way. And when we were going over it, um, we must have just missed it, you know. Um, and that happens. So you transposed. Yeah, no, I, I, I said that X happened before Y, and it was really Y happened before X. So it was a, it was a date.
1: What is the substantial criticism that came along with noting that, uh, reversal?
0: Well, the, I, I guess they would say that what I was trying to say and what I thought at the time was that the EIP had been created after, uh, the collapse of the DGB. Um, and I was, mm-hmm. and I was saying that in, in, in the context of a video from EIP's director, Alex Stamos, who was talking on, on camera about how the EIP had been formed to quote, fill the gaps of what government couldn't do itself. So, um, you know, I, I that's still true, uh, that, that that's the reason that they formed it. They, they, they you know, uh, deny that, but um, he said what he said, uh, and you can see that from from the list of partners of VIP uh, that in, that includes CISA, um, that you know they they imagined themselves as a body that was going to be stepping in the shoes of of what the government wasn't able to do. So, um, but yeah, no, I screwed up a date. You know, there's no question about it. That happens. Um, I, you know, in, in journalism, you make mistakes. So so far, so
1: far, so far on the list, we have acronymal. I'm going to make up a word there. Acronym confusion. Cis, C I S versus C I S A. Mm-hmm. Number two, you have a transposition of two elections: 2020 and 2022. Uh, what what what's left now?
0: So the third thing is is uh, more complicated. It it's a it, it was a re-report of something I'd read in a report from the Foundation for Freedom Online. Um, but I had also read the source material, which was the final report of the Uchlin Election Integrity Partnership, where they discuss um, how they how essentially just under 22 million uh, tweets came to be flagged. Um, now they claim that the, the actual number was 2,962 or something like that, or 2,900 something. First of all, I knew that wasn't true because I had personally seen something like thousands of EIP uh, flags just in the Slack chats that I was looking at, which is a fraction of what, overall, um, you know, the, the traffic overall to to Twitter. But secondly, if you read the report and you talk to people like Mike Benz, who's the former state cybersecurity guy, um under Trump, who's been, you know, very angry about this that going back to 2016, wrote a long thing about it. Um they in their report, they talk about how each in incident is a is a sort of a unique URL incident, so you might have one URL that can be collapsed into thousands of incidents. Um, so even if they say they're talking, they're only identifying two thousand nine hundred individual incidents. We could be talking the number of raw tweets that could be flagged as part of an, an overall narrative um, is enormous now um we're still working out whether there there might have been an error in terms of whether or not that flagging you know was external or internal uh um, ben's you know i have different people saying different things to me about that i i wrote it one way um but uh the 22 million number is real and they're playing they're playing semantic games with words like individual incident, um, you know, cascading, right? So narrative and, uh, um, what's, what's the other one. so, so like individual tweets, um, might be part of cascading narratives that can be collapsed. That's the word they use collapsed, um, into one incident. So it's complicated. It's, it's exacerbated by the fact that they didn't talk to me, um, before the piece, even though I, I, I reached out to them. Um, and. Didn't you know, talk to you before the interview. You mean? No, no Stanford. B- before the Twitter files. Oh, oh, oh yeah. okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, it, we're still trying to work it out, that, but they're essentially claiming that that Stanford only flagged three thousand things, which is not true. The, the, algorithmically, they flagged an enormous number of stuff, and you can read read it in their own language in the report. Um, you know this is one of those things where it might take a while to sort out exactly. Um, I was trying to refer directly to their language and to the report uh, so that people could work it out for themselves. Um, but, you know, in the moment, um, you know, I just didn't give a very good answer to that. So those are the three things that they, that they keyed on now, two of them I've, I've corrected the third one about the 22 million, um, I'm restoring, uh, pending more investigation. I, I think it's probably right. Um, at most it may need some language tweaking. Um, but. You know, this, this this is the result of it, like the entire critique of of the Twitter files. This is this is what happens in journalism. I mean, as as I'm about to publish today, I think, you know, even going back to my first pieces about Rolling Stone, periodical writing, you know, um, any kind of journalism, you're going to get a few things wrong, even if you check, even with an army of fact checkers and multiple editors at Rolling Stone we miss some things over the years. Um, even, even the famous golden Sachs piece had some things that, uh, you know, some reg- regrettable language in it. Um, but that's part of the process of journalism. As you face your critics, they, if you make mistakes, you own up to them. Uh, and that's how we kind of arrive. Gen- collectively at, um, you know, at, at what the truth is. Now, the, the thing that, irritates me about this is that this is going to be used as you know a gotcha to undermine the entire thing to say that um i'm I'm a hack and i lie uh and all this stuff should be dismissed when my whole beef with msnbc over the years is that i'm one of those reporters who like lies awake at night worrying about stuff like this and I'm I'm going to continue to and I'm going to lose sleep over this vacation over these little mistakes, um, while you know Please huge don't. enormous things like <laughs> Hamilton 68 uh, go uncorrected on on that network. Uh, the gall of it is it has got me in a state of of um, anger that's that's kind of hard to explain. But anyway, I've gone on too long. But uh, it, it's it's a, it's a gotcha thing where they're not engaging in the material they're being disingenuous about their the the network's own behavior um and you know they're trying to just attack me personally rather than go after the stuff uh or to talk about the stuff uh and that that that's really upsetting because there there was a brief moment where the interview was interesting where we were talking about um there was a number that 40% of government requests for moderation had been honored. And he seemed to be arguing that that wasn't a big deal. And I was arguing that it was like, that's the kind of conversation that we should have been having. Uh, but instead it was just, you know, one kind of personal thing after another and, and he's nitpicking little things. And um, so anyway, well
1: you know to personalize the story is 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 a um great rhetorical and narrative technique to make it sound as though the twitter files are the work somehow of matt taibbi rather than a you know vast record which matt taibbi is attempting to sort through and make make meaningful um but uh what was, what was the business about India and so on? I mean, it, it took a strange turn.
0: So uh, this all began with, with him shooting an email at me saying, like, how come you haven't commented on Elon Musk's, you know, behavior in India where I, I guess the particulars of it were, you know, the silencing of some critics of Modi or, or, or something along those lines. You know, my position about all of this all along right. um, has been my relationship with Elon Musk. Um, I'm not his keeper. He's not mine. Uh, I don't have to agree with him about everything. I like him personally. I think what he's done with the Twitter files is an enormous public service. I think he's done some cool things about um, opening the source code to to readers. I think he has a genuine issue. Desire to um, try to engage in some transparency that will, you know, bring back some credibility or at least punk pierce the veil of this idea of um, a single, you know, uh, digitally controlled information network. Um, but that doesn't mean I have to agree with him about everything about his labor practices, about you know what else, what he's doing at modern Twitter, and I didn't write anything in the Twitter files that precludes me from turning around and doing a story on elon if if it if I had to, but at the moment, I don't really feel like it um I'm sort of positively disposed toward the guy moreover, you know I'm working on a story uh where the the point of it is to focus on getting this right um and this question, I think, right. is asked in bad faith because he's asking me to participate in changing the subject away from my own work. And I refuse to do it. I, I won't do it. Um, and he's like, why won't you criticize well, you, Elon I Musk? Mean, I'm uh, like, I don't know. Cause I don't want to, like, because, it, you know, it's not a, it's not a priority. Uh, I don't know the particulars. I mean, like, all of those things are, are reasons.
1: Elon Musk could be an ax murderer and it would not change the content of Twitter's archives or the uh, record of their interactions with various organizations. Um, You know, I wasn't the reason that they wanted to break into Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatrist's office so that the person who had leaked the Pentagon papers could be personally attacked as though that would somehow change the content. Uh, or or, or our view of the content. I mean, uh, you know, to to step back from the minutiae of these um, conflicts you had yesterday, um, uh, the attempt to personalize all news is not getting us anywhere. Um, Most of us don't know Elon Musk, but a lot of us are on Twitter. Most of us don't have maybe even opinions on Elon Musk's opinions on India, let alone opinions of our own. But we do exist in the United States as voters attempting to sort out issues. We do exist as citizens of a state that had various public health policies in the, in, in the COVID moment that affected us personally, and we had to make decisions about whether to get vaccinated, et cetera whether this has any bearing whatsoever on Elon Musk's opinions on other countries and their leaderships, uh, I really doubt. Um, but, uh, it's a great way to derail a conversation. It's a great way to, uh, uh, attack you by association. Um, suddenly you are responsible for the opinions of a man you met very recently.
0: Right. And, 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 Look, it would be one thing if the Twitter files reports were advertisements for c- current Twitter or lionized Elon Musk or said anything about Elon Musk, frankly. Um, they they didn't. Um, we very conspicuously kind of honed in they on- refer almost entirely
1: to a time before he came along. I mean, they, they, there was no Elon Musk around or in Twitter at the time <laughs> that is that issue
0: right and some people would would argue okay that's a flaw of of the reports and what i would say to that is maybe i mean i guess globally if you if you pull back years from now and all we've got are these stories but opening up this these documents for people to look at um was a unique chance to take a look at uh, under the hood of something that had been completely unavailable to the American public beforehand. Um, it's not everything in the world. It's not a comprehensive report about everything. They, you know, People imagine that there's going to be um, a kind of list of stuff that you can see Um, about every conceivable topic and then i should have sort of democratically uh, gamed it out so that you would have um you know a a balance that would properly represent everybody in in the country but we didn't do it that way we all kind of um at the beginning we put searches in about stuff we personally were interested in and we got documents back based on those searches um, that were They were big, but they were still fairly limited. And because I focused in from the start on Twitter's relationship with uh, the DHS and the FBI and what that might mean and how, how that information flow worked, um, which is a, was a very hard thing to sort out, um, you know, in, in a couple of three weeks, uh, you know, we incidentally saw some things along the way. Um, But we weren't, we didn't have, we weren't looking at a global picture of everything. That's not how the searches worked. Again, people will, will say, well, um, isn't that a a criticism of these reports generally, because maybe you were only looking at things they wanted you to see, but that's true of every, again, that's true of every single news story that, that you deal with that involves sources giving you stuff, stuff. And the, the things that we were reporting on, we only did reports on stuff that we could demonstrate were self-contained true news stories in themselves, uh, in, in the files. Right. You know? So no matter what other context came in, these things were newsworthy. Um, and the, all, all of the stuff from the outside, like years from now, if you look back, the, the thing that's going to matter about these stories is were they true or not. Um, and, and all this other stuff, why didn't you look at this? Why, why aren't you speaking out about that? Why, why are you telling us your personal opinions about this? Like, I, I'm affirmatively not worried about that stuff where I, I haven't been. I, I, you know, I, I may have a bit of an attitude problem about saying that out loud, but I, I just don't think that's part of the equation that I have to worry about right now. Do you have
1: any reason to believe that major news stories and um, other topics of concern were suppressed on Twitter that you don't know about? That Do you have any reason to believe that uh, pseudo-governmental governmental and private organizations acting in a concerted fashion Uh, changed the behavior of Twitter that you don't know about.
0: That could absolutely be true. Yeah.
1: How would you go about finding them? For example, if the Republican national committee or the Hoover Institute or heritage, or one of these uh, conservative organizations had somehow had held sway over Twitter's operations. um, Do you have any reason to believe that such things happened? Uh, and do you think that it might be discovered if they did? So
0: we, we tried to find out stuff like that. Like, give me an example. We early on identified who was the chief, uh, who were the chief government liaisons at Twitter. So we took those email addresses and we ran them kind of generally. Then we ran them against terms like RNC and DNC. If you're hearing this message, you're listening to the free version of America This Week. To hear the rest of our conversation, please subscribe to TK News at taibi.substack.com.